Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. Today, Rick Arlo, CEO of the e-regulatory provider Complion, and Dr. Len Rosenberg of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society are going to discuss their collaboration case study to overcome site regulatory issues and launch trials more efficiently. Welcome to the show. Happy to be on. <laughs> First, I think what would be helpful is if you could both give us a brief description of who you are to provide a little bit of background. You want to start first, Len? Sure. So, uh, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, LLS, is the largest nonprofit dedicated to curing blood cancers. Uh, founded in 1949, it's, it's really been front and center as uh, the go-to organization for patients with blood cancers. About five to seven years ago, the organization itself wasn't real happy with the pace of clinical trials when it came to finding um, cures for blood cancers. And it took upon itself an initiative um, using what's called the master trial format, which is a screening protocol um, that, that uses precision medicine to centrally assign patients to their uh, predominant mutation that, that is obtained at the screen. And, and assigning them to our, our, our pharma partner organizations. We have eight to 10 of them that we publicly announced in the hopes that using this centralized precision targeting approach would impact treatment course for patients with frontline um, leukemia. And uh, we've been quite successful to date. And in fact, our results of that master trial program were published in Nature Medicine in October. And it basically says that you set out and take on this approach, you can actually impact the survival of these patients. And, and when it comes to delaying treatment until you make a centralized decision, um, we've also shown that that's actually safe in this environment. Rick, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Len. Uh, so I'm Rick Arlo. I'm the founder and CEO of Complion. Uh, essentially, we are the leading CITE regulatory or EISF uh, provider. And so really, we do is provide uh, very purpose-built software uh, to enable faster site activation um, and audit readiness and provide the level of oversight and uh, decreased cost of, uh, of monitoring here around that, that specific area in terms of site regulatory and providing a digital solution in that space. Uh, we're 12,000 trials and uh, growing more than uh, 100% year over year, uh, impacting the, the ability to run uh, trials with your sites more effectively with the oversight that you need. We touched upon this a little bit, but maybe Rick can speak a little bit more generally to some of the challenges that sites and CROs and sponsors are facing in site activation and getting things up and running. Yeah, perfect. So the, the challenge that I think many uh, sponsors and CROs are facing today is really one many times of, of frustration, right? Um, capturing the information from the site and all the uh, site regulatory packet and documentation can be uh, frustrating uh, simply to get access to the information, to get the site to give it to you here your way, uh, to have that more effectively to ensure that things are getting regularly reviewed um, and that you have oversight into what the real issues could be um, if staff members aren't the site level trained or, or following the right version of the, of the protocol. Um, there's many times multiple emails and portals back and forth, information getting lost, and uh, no, no good way uh, to be able to see here uh, in a nutshell uh, really where your sites are in activation and ongoing uh, study execution. At the end of the day, you know, really it's about ensuring the right versions of all the key study documents are, are there and approved uh, at the site, training credentialed with the right staff and uh, equipment at the site level, and that the individual query 
queries that matter, the information is being reviewed and, and closed effectively uh, there at the individual site level, right? And so many times this is work that the, that the CRAs are doing uh, that's burdening them from being able to, you know, see additional sites and slowing down uh, initial process into activation as well as the, the ability to um, effectively manage the you know, sites here on your, on your studies. I don't know, Len, if there's anything else here that you would share as well from, from your uh, experience as well as context within the master trial environment. Yes, Rick, in the sense that we kind of started out the older way, as I mentioned, this is a five-year-plus program, been with it since the inception. We rolled our first sets of patients in 16. And we obviously saw the sector moving, integrating technology point solutions along the way. And while we kind of went the conventional route with study startup, it always dawned on us that, hey, if you're using the same sets of sites, right, and you're just changing the trial sub-studies under the master trial realm, that you should be able to take advantage of efficiencies in the startup process. And what was really important to us was also to maintain a level of control over that process so we would not be highly dependent on third-party providers like the CROs, but that if we could use a software application that essentially was purpose-built, but also had the features that would allow us to take advantage of repurposing you know, the, the constant information that applies study to study, we could actually improve that startup and cut out a lot of the inefficiencies in the costs. And, and why we selected Compliant here was that they had the architecture already set up to allow us to take these complex oncology trials and these multiple sub-studies and build upon them, roll them up, allow them to be looked at at the program level and take, take a common naming convention that was built into their software and allow the documents to move through the system to their final resting place, keeping them separate for the different pharma partners, but at the same time saying, hey, why do we have to force the sites to keep doing this study after study after study, especially with the same disease state, same sponsor LLS in this case. And it just, it just made sense to take a pragmatic approach to this and then let us peek in on how well the sites are doing and not be dependent on a CRO. It really you know, changes the paradigm that we really didn't focus on initially, but now it's much easier to do with these, um, these point solution novel software applications that are coming into the clinical trial ecosystem. And when you were picking the right point solution, what were the challenges that you wanted to specifically address in order to pick the right solution for you? So good question. So I had a, te a technology lead uh, that was working with me and we basically uh, sent out RFIs, if you will, to five of them that were or three to five, I guess, entities that were out there, three entities, whatever it was. And we, we basically went through things like, you know, do you have the, the, the architecture in place to allow you to do sub-studies and then roll them up into master trials so we can look at it at the low, you know, at the study level and at the higher level? Um, is there consistency to the naming conventions, as I mentioned earlier? It's really important to standardize on that, but have it be an automated standardization of it, right? So that you're not giving people the ability to name, you know, files and documents different ways. 
and, and you know, because otherwise it's going to be a mess, as you can understand. And, and then, then have the flexibility to, to purpose those documents over into, you know, their final resting place. The other thing that was really important was we wanted the software to be flexible enough that if they had an established um, regulatory system of their own at the institutional level, and, and they said, we want to keep it, right? We would allow them to go ahead and keep it, but, uh, but put into the environment, the drag and drop effect, if you will, right? So you, if you have your documents in your site and you're happy with your e-reg system, that's fine. We're not going to replace it. We'll just go ahead and figure out a way to get those documents into our established ecosystem for startup and then move it along the continuum in that manner. And so if you didn't have the flexibility to have a hybrid approach and you were kind of hammering the solution to the sites, they don't like that. So we wanted to have that flexibility on, on, on and those features. And when we looked at where we were with the oncology experience and ma married into all the other aspects that we thought were important, critical decision-making um, criteria, um, we selected compliance. And Rick, maybe you could speak a little bit from your perspective of joining into this partnership, taking your existing technology and matching it to what Len and what LLS wanted, what goals they were trying to achieve, what questions you had going into it. So I think the, the biggest piece here um, with LLS, is, as Len has talked through, was there's definitely some uh, complex demands here on the oncology side and the master trial side. And so from our standpoint, being able to provide that flexibility uh, and expertise to accommodate for that uh, was really important, right? To be able to uh, ensure that we can create that level of, uh, of automation uh, and reuse, right? To really enable them to, to move faster uh, with less issues, with less cost and oversight uh, into uh, the whole process. You know, I think the other side of it too is that at the same time, uh, we wanted to be able to help set up a uh, standard LLS process here, they could also reuse across uh, other uh, master trials uh, here moving forward too. Um, and so being able to set up their way, uh, you know, what information is required, uh, what does the site need to do, uh, how to automate getting that information to the site, the query process, getting the information back that they need um, to set that up in a, in a general standard uh, that they can then be readily reused across other studies moving forward. And so I think to step back, being able to set that up to have that, that standard way of working is, is key, having that flexibility and expertise to accommodate for those needs, um, but also be able to set uh, a base, right? You don't have to worry about maybe a different study having a whole different requirements and a separate build process like you might see with EDC, but it is truly possible to set up your one way for how you work across your, um, your sites. Is this the type of process that can work across any trial? Is it better suited for certain trials, like a master trial with a lot of sub-studies? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, good question. What we've seen is, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about, right, all of the right versions, approvals, training, and, and documents that the site needs to have, right? And so those are things that can be common and standard across your different therapeutic areas. Um, uh, I do think the, the um, part of what was exciting about this project was uh, it really um, required that level of uh, flexibility and expertise um, to specifically meet the needs here that they have on the oncology side 
uh, and on this master trial side. Uh, but to step back, it is completely possible to lay out here's a set of best practices for not just the documents the site needs or what documents you need, but also really identifying what is specifically needed to get to activation, the query management process, uh, the level of oversight that you want to be able to see. Uh, those are standard templates that we can provide um, out of the box to enable you know, fast onboarding here for new groups, um, but also to take the time where it makes sense um, to help set up you know, your way, your organization as a sponsor or CRO uh, to accommodate for how you want to manage that process. Maybe Len can go first with this, but what was what has the result been of adopting this point solution? How has it trickled down? Maybe you could give us a few examples of on the site side, and then maybe we can move into how this has affected patients or your ability to interact with patients. So uh, good question, Danny. So from our perspective, it's a little early because you know this, this, this innovation, as I mentioned to you, was a point solution that was adopted later in the process for, for obvious purposes that I stated. Um, so I think I'll turn to Rick, but it's very clear that the startup process is going to be and has been, you know, a heck of a lot more efficient, you know, relative to it. And, and the fact that we have the visualization into the process and, and we feed some of the key elements of what Rick tracks into our digital dashboard. You might have heard of that concept of getting kind of a holistic view of what's going on. And you have all of these different point solutions, you know, that, that play in. So we wanted to have an ability to pull or extract out key pieces of the study startup that are important to us, right? So that we can look at it in conjunction with a lot of the operational and scientific aspects of how the study is run. So we needed that flexibility and that ease of integration that also helped with the startup and ultimately how we manage the program. But Rick, I'll turn it to you for more um, cost-saving metrics um, in response to Dana's question. Well, we've seen, I think, probably the first thing to share uh, that makes sense to share in terms of what we've learned is that uh, how many groups are looking at this today is a, a collection problem. You know, the sites have paper, they have their own systems, and we have to get access to this information. So if they're looking at opportunities for, you know, savings or improvement, uh, what, what, what's the increased time to scan a document, right? But what we've learned is it's not just a collection problem. There's real uh, effort um, and activation and ongoing uh, study execution to ensure that uh, the right staff, site staff are trained or credentialed are following the protocol and have uh, everything that they need. And that's a lot of detailed, uh, very detailed specific work to get done correctly. And so ultimately what that means is opportunities for uh, study delays and costs uh, when this work is, is not being done correctly and has multiple queries back and forth um, to actually get to activation. Uh, costs that come up when it's missed, especially when you have oversight, uh, those costs can turn into real um, you know, audit inspection findings or uh, unanticipated costs on study closeout uh, because there's a whole set of additional uh, queries and review that hasn't been happened throughout the lifetime of the study, right? And so what we've seen uh, maybe just to share, you know, one specific, you know, case study here with a, a group here. Uh, it's a, a large Texas Children's Hospital. What they shared is is, is actually uh, an opportunity to reduce weeks in the activation process, particularly um, having the documents they need, knowing what needs to be completed, improving the training process, uh, the accuracy across uh, a set, whole set of different versions and all their staff members 
across many doctors, um, an opportunity to get to monitor prep five times faster because again, similarly, they can track all the key requirements and uh, uh, training and uh, what needs to still be completed uh, prior to that visit. And we're able to see about 100% uh, first time approval um, of these uh, documents, right? So uh, a drastic elimination of the monitor queries, uh, the information is uh, is done uh, and completed correctly the first time through without a monitor needing to review it and send back for a query process. You know, what all of that means is, is ultimately three key things, uh, faster site activation um, and what we've seen in, in, in weeks uh, for individual sites by enabling the site to complete this information more quickly and higher first time approval rates, faster time to create and close those individual queries. And that's also into uh, ongoing uh, study visits. Uh, that same site uh, had an issue where it took over two weeks to to be ready for an individual monitor visit. Now they can do that on a next day basis, right? Um, separately, uh, oversight, as Lana was talking about, reducing what those larger costs could be in terms of unanticipated change orders, uh, costs at the end of the study for additional visits, inspection, audit findings, third-party auditors, CAFAs, by seeing what matters sooner. Uh, also in terms of CRA productivity. So uh, roughly 20% uh, of the CRA time is associated with uh, managing these additional site regulatory and administrative uh, aspects. And so uh, we've been able to see our opportunities to reduce the uh, total number of queries, uh, in some cases up to 75%, uh, because again, the sites are completing that correctly the first time and able to see exactly what they need to do. Uh, and you know exactly what it is, the lens point being able to have that standard naming convention and see exactly what's there. Um, so you can drastically reduce the, the actual number of queries they need to manage uh, and uh, the actual visit time and site communication uh, because you're, you're getting the right things up front and able to very easily manage queries um, and, and close those out with uh, very clear expectations with your sites. Why do you think now is the right time in research in doing this work to adopt what for some sites might be, you know, a lot of work to figure out how to incorporate a new digital technology, how to incorporate something new? Maybe both of you can give your thoughts on this. Well, let me let me jump in here first. The, the world is changing, right? And, you know, I, I, everyone says, well, we, we, we're now decentralized or adopting technology because of the pandemic. But, you know, our mindset was we were adopting technology because it, it had a purpose in our ecosystem of running complex master trials and anything that we can do to improve the efficiency in the startup ultimately is going to lend itself to um, bringing promising treatments, um, you know, faster that are going to impact survival. So we have the data. I mean, the data are LLS invoke these, you know, these systems. Obviously, RICS is a little newer, but this mindset allowed us to operationalize using and adapting um, best-in-class point solutions and creating an environment that we could interoperate them, meaning bring them into our backbone that we managed, that we set up, that was purpose-built for this environment with genomics data and you know, remote access to information and all the things that are going on right now, that you know, just is a perfect storm relative to why we, can, why we started with it, what the pandemic has done to reinforce the environment in which you need to do these things now, and then to constantly build and refine them going forward. 
we didn't want to be limited by adopting a, you know, I'll call it a mega solution that has all of these features um, and then be controlled by some software or some entity. Um, that just wasn't us. You know, if we're fast and nimble and, and you know, the data show that we improved survival by four or five fold you know, with our with this master trial approach, you know, that was published in Nature Medicine in late October. It means that what we're doing scientifically and operationally impact patient lives. And and you hear that all the time in every you know conference, but we have the data. And and that's way more important for us than saying there's the proof. Right. And the more and more you can you can automate and the less and less you can you can make people do tasks that add no value to the drug development system, right, the better off you're going to be with those resources to focus on the patient journey and to focus on rededicating costs to, you know, patient research, which is what our mission is. So all those things come into play. And so maybe I'm the right, you know, participant here or not, but, um, you know, that's our mantra and that's what we've done. And I think the more people join us on the journey, the better the systems are going to be and the more adoption we're going to have. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I completely agree with you, Len. First and foremost, everyone is looking at how to run trials faster and to you know, reduce costs. So I think there, there are some strong drivers to eliminate uh, what is one of the, the last key holdouts of very inefficient work being done by you know, scanning uh, in many cases, documents back and forth, and uh, um, you know, un inefficient, you know, communication and, and queries that are happening. Right. The other key aspect, right, is is there is this disruption of visits. Obviously, today with with COVID, uh, you know, remote decentralized trials not being able to go to the site as much as you would want. Uh, that was happening beforehand, though, too, in terms of real time or risk based monitoring, where the actual monitor visit uh, wasn't happening as regularly as frequently. Um, and uh, with this regulatory and site administrative work is at the bottom of the list, and it just frequently wasn't happening, right? And so, uh, so again, whether it is uh, the need to run actual decentralized remote trials uh, because of today here with COVID or simply because these, these visits in general have been disrupted um, and uh, you want to ensure um, that this is continuing to happen. Uh, the site has all the right people trained and uh, following the right versions and key approvals throughout the study, not just to wait when there is an, an audit and inspection, a bigger issue, a closeout at the end of the study where you realize that none of this was looked at <laughs> at all uh, throughout the lifetime of the study and leads to um, you know, several additional change orders and anticipated costs associated with that, right? Um, there was a, a center watch study here that we ran um, here at the beginning of the year in 2020 and what we, we found was that um, uh, separately due to the complexity of, of clinical trials, right, there's more, uh, in many cases, more amendments uh, and uh, sites are uh, in many cases larger with additional subsites and, and locations and doctors. Uh, that this, you know, site regulatory work is only at increasing in terms of complexity. Uh, and sponsors and CROs, uh, 80, over 80 percent of them said that this work has been has been a, a larger burden uh, today than it has been over the last two years. Right. Um, so there's only increasing burden associated with that. Uh, and especially today, a uh, vast majority of this is done simply via email or trying to, you know, actually FaceTime or, uh, you know, have video sharing here with the site to review this stuff, right? So 
Um, so yeah, I think to step back, everyone wants to be able to do this uh, faster and lower cost, but with the disruption of monitor visits and increasing complexity and uh, burden on sponsors and CROs uh, in this review and monitoring process, um, you know, it's, it's uh, really a right time now to be able to look at opportunities for improvement. Len, what would be your call to action for sponsors and CROs who are facing what can seem like a very scary mountain of figuring out the right solution for them? I mean, you discussed that for you and for LLS, it was a point solution that you wanted something that would fit into the work that you were leading. What would be your call to action for sponsors and CROs as they're embarking on this? And then I'll go to Rick. Sure, and I think a lot of the points, uh, Dan, were, 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 were mentioned earlier. And in terms of the call to action, you wanna go with a provider that's, in my mind, smaller and flexible, has it purpose built for the types of studies that we were mentioning, you know, Rick mentioned, uh, you know, early stage oncology, there's a lot of versions. It, it, it's created in a way that, uh, you know, these are these studies really generate early safety and efficacy data, and you have to version. You have to, you have to amend these protocols as you learn more and more information. So by default, it's not like we're writing lousy studies. It's just that the way in which we're conducting research now is so quick that you want to instill some automation in the process. Right, but still maintain some level of flexibility for the onboarding. So whether you're a site, right, understanding that there's flexibility that you can have a hybrid approach and use some of your systems with some newer ways of maybe doing, um, you know, document collection, and and knowing that you're doing it in an environment that that uh, allows it to meet all the quote unquote you know technology regulations surrounding that is is really important. And then for the CROs and then for, for the sponsors, um, they, they should think about migrating their, their systems to something that is a little bit more flexible and purpose-built for the startup process, right? A lot of them are still using the classic email exchange and their document spreadsheets that they're tracking the information in. But, um, you know, so, so I think those are factors that should come into play and and if they can then figure out how this fits into their bigger ecosystem from end-to-end -end trial solutions and they're flexible enough and know that these point solutions integrate well whether it's at the site level or within their own you know clinical operations departments um, they should be able to take action on this this is not a highly high cost endeavor it certainly makes life easier at the site level um, at the IRB level, you know, think about the study startup process. What was really interesting to me, and I'll turn it over to you in a minute, Rick, was when we approached the central IRBs and said, hey, we're going to run master trials, but, you know, your system and the way that you track your studies is done at the study level, sub-study level, and not at the master trial level. We want to see the information in your portals rolled up. They said, well, we never built it that way. So we can't see it. We have to look at it study by study. And then when you look at it at, at an investigator level that's doing the overall program, but you're doing it at each of the sub-levels and repeating it over and over and over and over again with those startup packages, they said, sorry, we have to do it that way because that's the way it's set up. And then we said from a regulatory perspective, 
do you have to do it that way? And they said, yes. Well, the answer was, the answer was no, you don't do it that way. And, and, and so what's happening is people are so dependent on the thought processes and the way in which they're, they're, they're building their adoption to the old systems that it's really important to challenge them and adopt these new technologies and, and challenge them to the point where you basically say, look, that's really not true. And you have to go ahead and move to these newer point solutions um, and, and systems that we know work. And it's, it's time to be forward thinking in terms of how you execute. I, I agree with that completely. And I would just add as the main call to action, um, uh, to really understand what the, um, the, the real cost is associated today with the current state, right? Um, to Len's point, the, the, um, the, the emails back and forth, um, queries, calls, the FaceTime visits, the video shares to look at this stuff, the, uh, you know, massive spreadsheets uh, that are old and missing information. Um, uh, just even saying today, hey, do, do I know um, if my my CRAs are, are regularly reviewing this today um, uh, and we're going to be able to to get to activation, to get to uh, close out effectively without, um, you know, several issues that come up realizing they, they've got the wrong the wrong versions uh, or the site staff, you know, we're doing the wrong things with the wrong people that weren't trained on the right versions of the uh, protocol throughout the study, right? And so uh, to, to, to step back, I think really understanding uh, and being open to explore what that real total cost here might be, not just to, you know, send an email back and forth or set of documents back and forth is one thing, but, you know, really the uh, significant time that can go in to slowing down activation for the weeks of back and forth time through all of those queries to make sure the site knows uh, what they need to do and to do it effectively and close it out uh, for you to even to be able to find what the information is that they're sending you and, and them to be able to know what you're sending them and uh, and be able to um, boost the, the staff productivity here with your CRAs and CTAs and, and get that level of oversight, right? So, um, yeah, I think the step back, that would be my main call to action is really just understanding what that current burden is today to understand uh, potential solutions. Thank you so much both for taking the time to chat with us about the challenges and opportunities that sites are facing. You were just listening to Rick Arlo of Complion and Len Rosenberg of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society discussing their collaboration for quicker site activation. For more information about PharmaTalk podcasts, you can visit theconferenceforum.org. But thank you so much for listening and thank you to our great guests for an amazing discussion. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.